Welcome to the Smoke Pit. I'm here today with AJ, who's been one of Dan's co-hosts for quite a few years, uh, trying to help me navigate these waters with uh, these new thing with a podcast. So, AJ. Well, what up, though? How we doing? You know, living the dream one day at a time. Yes, that's why I try to say to myself. But those dreams always come in nightmares as you get older, so it kind of hurts. <laughs> uh, but today I'm supposed to kind of go over who I am, kind of give everybody a background to the community for the smoke pit. Um, let them know they're in good hands still with myself and you. Uh, Dan's on other projects uh, for us uh, abroad, so you get stuck with Stu. So I'm Stu, I'm considered the Greybeard veteran. Uh, I spent 26 years in the Marine Corps in uh, the Reconnaissance Special Forces Marine, uh, Arena. Uh, my last tour was I ran the schoolhouse for MARSOC from 2009 until 2012 when I retired. I did retire because I had my knee replaced and it was not conducive for my plans for my next couple of years. You know, I was supposed to go back down range and unfortunately I couldn't do it so I had to leave. Um, I'm being told that try to inter- introduce myself in a sense but I can't I have a hard time talking about myself. I have a hard time telling people who I am. I usually say, yeah, I was a culinary specialist in the Marine Corps. I made cupcakes and cakes <laughs> for the President of the United States because it alleviates a lot of questions because every time you tell somebody what you did for a living, especially in my, my business, they're like, oh, yeah, I want to do that or, hey, I should have did that. I'm thinking, dude, you, you had the same opportunity I had, so why didn't you do it? There's, there's, there's a lot of different things that go yeah. into that, and, and I understand, especially when you have, like, very niche specialties, like – there's no way to explain it that doesn't make it sound like more than it is. Uh, the biggest problem I had when I was working with High Threat with State Department is that either I tell people how much money I made and they'd immediately think I was CIA, right? And I'd be like, no, I, I sit in a room like a firefighter for 12 hours a day. And they're like, no, you don't. They wouldn't pay you for that. You're definitely a spook. And I'm like, I really, it's not as cool as it sounds like it is. I think everybody takes it to a different level, especially for me. They're like, uh, you know, how we went from reconnaissance. And in 2005, six, we made MARSOC. And a lot of the MARSOC Marines were reconnaissance Marines. That's the way it was until we got the program set up, you know, to go to ANS and then ITC. But it always comes in, like, best part is when you go to shows and you're kind of sitting there and you're marketing products for a speto. You know, I'll sit in the booth and I'm talking about their, their kit and their, how their vests are made and their, their clips. And right away, oh, yeah, I was a recon sniper ranger. <laughs> well, one, there's no such thing called a recon sniper ranger. You're either a recon that's a sniper qualified or a recon who went to sniper school and ranger school. You're not, that's not a thing. It's not an MOS. You know, you kind of say, well, what school did you go to? Oh, such and such. That school stopped in 1992. It's not, you know, now. I find a really good, um, a really good way of kind of judging whether people are full of shit or even if they're, they're being legitimate about what they have done and they just try to tell stories that are nonsense. Embellish. If you listen to the stories of uh, combat veterans that have, seen and done a lot of nonsense what usually ends up happening is they tell you a story in which they did something stupid their friend did something stupid or something stupid happened to them like oh i fell off this building or oh, i drank i dra- drove this tank into the side of a, a house and then you talk to people who didn't really do as much kinetic activity with their career and there's nothing wrong with that if you are a culinary specialist hey knock it out just don't burn my eggs yeah um but you'll talk to people that are in non-kinetic environments or they're in they're not in at all and they tell you this over the top story that sounds like you're 13 hours to electric boogaloo yeah. i was just i was shooting double <laughs> pistols as i was rappelling upside down from a chopper i think the problem that I t- the saying i use is he who talks shit's never done shit the guys that embellish those things you might have been downrange be happy you served in the military you served your country the red white and blue you know, just be happy you did that. You don't have to be this special ops, I'm a one-man national asset guy that's done everything. You're just, <laughs> I tell you, you're not that good. You're, you're just not. What you did while you were in the military, or now with some people where they're in the government side of it, you don't hear them talk stories because they're the, what I call the true heroes. They're the true guys behind the scenes that will never come out and say, hey, I did this, this, and this because they know you're going to be full of shit. So you never get that story. I think a lot of it also comes from kind of the, the hero worship, yeah. right? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the fact that because of 9-11 and the ensuing things that have happened since then, we, we tend to deify the veteran community a lot more than was done before. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes feels like a dramatic overcorrection from Vietnam where everybody was like kind of shitting on veterans. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's good to remember that they're just people. There are people doing a job. Some people get to do cooler jobs than other people. Uh, sometimes it's effort. Sometimes it's opportunity. But you're, you're absolutely right. It's like if you if you did the job, like just be happy that you got a chance to do the job. 
I agree. And I think for me, uh, my personal opinion is you have the five pillars of the United States. You have the military, you have law enforcement, you have the first responders, you have teachers, and you have nurses. Those five pillars is what controls what we do in the United States. You know, we talk about politicians and stuff, which I don't po- – politics or religion. Just don't do it. Um, <laughs> unless I'm super drunk and you're, you're pissing me off, then I might say something. But they're the ones that make the world go around. We protect our military on the outside of the United States. Law enforcement, minus the 10%, take care of us here within the United States. Our first responders obviously do the same thing with the police officer. But our teachers and our nurses, our teachers are teaching our youngs today to be our future tomorrow. But then you have the nurses who take care of us old guys, especially me, not you, but that are in the <laughs> hospital kind of whining like a little girl. And they say, okay, what can I do for you? But I, my opinion is that there are five pinnacles or the pillars for the United States of how we run or should run. The politicians and stuff, they're all jokes. I will say, and, and just as a side note, because it gave me a flashback when you said nurses, um, <laughs> when I went through my medic training and we had our, our uh, internship when we had to be at the, the, the ER, I had some nurses that, that absolutely, if you're running out of drill instructors and you need somebody to take that slot, find some nurses, especially ones that have been doing the job for 20 years, and be like, hey, put this goofy hat on and go yell at some teenagers. And they go like, all right, gotcha. Yeah. Well, that brings me to, didn't your daughter just graduate Navy boot camp? She did. Uh, So my daughter graduated. She got, um, it was 13 weeks for her. She needed to redo her run due to an injury. Okay. Uh, So she got to experience the fun parts twice is the way it came (laughs) off when she was telling me about it. Right. And uh, as a Marine, it's nice because there's a lot of the stuff about her graduate or about her general experience that I understood. Right. And then as a parent, it's also kind of cool because she came do the recruit thing where they just kind of word vomit all their all their experience at you in five minutes because there's first time they're allowed to talk to a person like a person for a long time. And I hear all these acronyms just flying at me and Marine Corps. I got some of them. Some of those Navy things don't mean nothing to me. It's all Chinese. And so I, I called my mother afterwards and I said, you know, I, I'm glad I had this experience because now I know what you felt like because she grew up as an army brat oh, okay. with with like some Navy mixed in there. Her brother was Air Force. Uh, and so it's like now I understand what it was like for you coming to my boot camp and I'm sitting there telling Marine acronyms. and You're like, ah, I don't understand half of this, but I'm, I'm on board. I get, I get the gist. <clears throat> with, yeah, it's funny to me when I hear people use a lot of acronyms because sometimes I, I forget those. Like, do people use acronyms because they forget what they actually mean? They just know it's supposed to fit in this phrase here. Hey, we need to go to RORP and get off at the jump point. And by, by the way, our release point is X. Okay, but what, weren't we just an ORP, though? We're on the ground. How are we get in the air all of a sudden to get a release point? So, <laughs> to me, it's to me, an excuse of not knowing actually what the, the verbiage means. But, no, I, I think, too, the boot camps now, I know with the way the, the environment is, is obviously a little bit different, especially the Marine Corps boot camp. Uh, there's only certain things they can do or say to you now because a kinder, gentler Marine Corps, if you want to call it that, an our well, experience. Yeah, I'll say the there were some things that she told. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and there's certain things she was very clear about not repeating. Right. Um, some of it was clearance issues. She talked to me about this one portion that she was. She knows I currently have a clearance, so privately she talked to me about it. But every time she would go to remind me of a thing and there was other people around, she'd immediately clam up. That's good, though. And so I said, good on you, but don't don't clam up. Just divert. Because yeah. if you clam up, it sounds like you're hiding something. Um, but she had, uh, she had integrated platoons. They call them uh, divisions. So she had – they birthed them separately most of the time. Sometimes they didn't. They freely interacted whenever they were doing training. Um I know there were um, some trans personnel in there, and they seemed to not have any problems. I wasn't there, so I'm not sure. But according to her, everybody kind of just treated it like other people, which was great. Um, There were some things that were weird to me. And I know from uh, speaking to other Navy personnel who had graduated, um, I would get yelled at if I said too long ago. But suffice to say, far enough away that it would be more in our generation. Um, a lot of it's the same. A lot of it's the same building and a lot of the same ceremony. Some things that stood out to me, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to point this out. Um, they played at some point as part of the ceremony on xylophones and a couple of drums, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. So, what? what I mean, what's I, that kind of do with Navy boot camp? Is I something really, they did while they were in the boot camp? So, I, I get that it's the Navy, and Pirates of the Caribbean theme song is pretty well known, and yeah. why not? They, there was a couple other what sounded like pop culturally relevant music that was in there. When you're hearing, hearing it through xylophones and drums, it kind of throws it off. And I don't know the names of half the stuff on my iPad anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I asked Dan about it. 
Because Dan's the guy I go to, and I'm like, what the hell is this about? So I'm sitting there in the bleachers. I'm like, they're playing Pirates of the Caribbean theme song right now. What is going on? Where am I? And he said, and this is, uh, I'm taking his word for it. There's no regulation that states what music has to be played during military ceremonies. So we tend to go for John Philip Sousa, because why not? Yeah. Um, but he goes, <clears throat> we could have had, during change of command ceremonies, could have played Rick James. We just didn't have any imaginative officers. That's where you say that, because if you look back at any, any UCMJ or any military books that say for presentations for parades or ceremonies of some sort there really isn't it's a definition of how you read it or how i read it you know and that's how it comes out and you know he's probably 100 correct i mean dan's dan's a smart man a lot smarter than i am but uh yeah it's, it's kind of weird they do that but again too it's something those kids are gonna remember the thing about the military and i try when i talk to younger guys about staying in and stuff you have to make it your own whatever you want to do don't don't be afraid to get rank and you have your buddies call you, oh, you're a brown nose. You know what, dude? I'm making more money than you. I'm going to tell you to shut the fuck up at the end of the day. You know, that's the way it's got to be. So you need to have that interest response to authority because I'm getting it. So remember those things and make yourself better. Then you have those, and you know, kids that are in the Marine Corps that just don't just want to do the, the average, just to get by. I want to get out my four years and get out. And I look at them now. What, what, I'm kind of like, she's probably pumping gas someplace or worse than the local AMP. I don't think they have AMPs, do they, anymore? I'm showing my age now, I'm sorry. Food Lions or Walmart or Kmart, you, you know, something like that. But, yeah, I think it's you got to build your own story because at the end of the day, everything you've done, like I've done in my life is for my 90-year-old self in a reclining chair tell my grandson stories. That's what it comes down to be. If you can remember and relate and help between now and the time you're 90 years old, that's what you want to do. And that's what hopefully this podcast does with people. I mean, since I'm coming on to be the new host um, until Dan's – party time um is that you know what do you want us to do what do you want us what do you want to hear from us what do you want to have the topics you want us to play with um i'm pretty versatile for topics there's some that i don't want to play with or don't want to touch um we can always touch them off the side we'll don't want air anywhere but <laughs> if we do say something controversial we usually back it up with something yeah and, it's not meant and we're all we're all free to to kind of live different experiences and something that dan and i both uh kind of looked at a lot when we got out and it becomes more and more of a mentality the further removed you are from being in the service yeah is um you tend to be very one way about certain things when you're in because you that's the way you have to be is you have to everything fits in a row it's all covered and aligned and then when you get out you realize okay well that works for that exact scenario and for not very much else um, I remember something Dan likes to say a lot is my service doesn't invalidate yours and your service doesn't invalidate mine. Yeah, right? If you were a cook or a bosun's mate or a maintainer or whatever, yeah. doesn't matter. You still did your time. You still helped out the country. We're all good. Um, so when I was younger and I was a Marine, we had that whole thing like if you're not infantry, then I don't I don't need to talk yeah, to you. Yeah. Or you'd look <laughs> yeah, at you. You look at higher ups uniforms and you'd be looking for that one ribbon. ribbon. Combat yeah. action ribbon called the car. Yeah. yeah. This is not combat action ribbon. Nothing you have to say means anything to me. It's you know what's bad about that is that <laughs> how tr- true is and I go back to an experience when I was in Okinawa. I was the office chief for SOTG, third SOTG in Okinawa. And we had every Friday you had to wear Charlie's uh in that mode. So I'm sitting in my office and this new major comes in. I won't make his name. He's the only officer in my entire career that I grabbed by the throat. I, and if there's anybody out there that knows who I am, I'm a very mild individual. But when you get into that space, you know, there's th- certain things you just don't do. Now, I'm jumping dive qualified. I've been in free fall school, free fall jump master, all that stuff. So he comes in, and, you know, I was in a while. I was a gunny, and I have a fruit salad. And he goes, where'd you get those? And I make the comment, the PX, just like you do. I go in there, and I color coordinate them, put them together, so I look cool with this <laughs> this. Uh, Bubble that you get when you go to be the Space Force and the, the wings is how you fly. I'm a pilot for the uh, space shuttle. And he comes over and he goes to touch my wings. And he, as he touches them, I grab his hand and I pull him back. I'm like, sir, what are you doing? You let go of me. I said, you don't ever touch anything on my uniform that you don't rate. And next time it happens, you're going through the wall. Well, another major who was my air officer come over and says, Stu, I said, sir, no one touches my freaking uniform. I don't give a shit who you are. My wife doesn't even touch my uniform. This clown who's nobody is not going to. But again, too, it, why why do you got to question somebody what they have on their chest? Now, if it's out of order, then it's probably a stolen valor. But if it's not, you don't go up and say, well, why'd you get that one? Or why'd you get that one? You just don't do that. You know, you just look at it, admire. I would say that there, I'd give certain exceptions. And this actually came up uh, last weekend. 
is if there's certain metals that you or ribbons that you know exist and they're just wacky, I would hundred percent ask. And there's Yeah, ask, but not touch it. Well, absolutely not. I don't yeah. one arm's distance from the drill instructor at all times. Exactly. Um the Antarctic service medal. I have one. You have one? I do. See, and if I saw that on your uniform, the first thing I'd be like, How did you get that and where do I sign the paperwork? Nineteen eighty eight I was uh a, a IQC uh, instructor for Bridgeport, cold weather instructor. I went to Norway. I was over there two months. And I was on a freighter that went across the Antarctic Circle twice. So they went up and they came back. Okay. I'm also a shellback, too. So, But that was 1988. So what is that for the listeners at home? Shellback. So basically you have certain things you go. If you go over to the Arctic Circle, you go over to the equator. There's certain things you are. Uh, it's kind of like the Navy's game to play with the people on their ship and the newer <laughs> Navy people. So for shellback, we were on a flight deck. We were on an LPD. And um, the way you had to do it, you start down the mess deck. And now, remember, we're over the Arctic Circle. Now, it's, it's cold. <clears throat> you start in the mess deck, and you just start to throw flour on you and food. You run through a hallway, and you got to slide down all this meat crap. And then you go up on a deck, and you run around. And I think it was 30 degrees, 28 degrees, something like that. It was cold, super cold. Now, we're just, at, for me, I was in UDT shorts because I was a recon guy. You know, yeah. wore UDT shorts. You guys got to show your thighs everywhere you go. That's yeah. how you know. So, you know, you had to sur- we had our surf and sand that we wore all the time. But <laughs> we came up, and then after you do a bunch of other crap out there, like in the water and a bunch of mess and food, there's this chief. And this dude was fatter than I was. And he had a little olive that he put in his belly button. And you went up, and you got the belly You had to take the olive out of his belly button. And then you slid across, and you got this thing, so the blue nose. So, <laughs> anyway, to say, let me a long story short. It it was fun, very degrading, but it was fun. I mean, it's, it, it was a tradition for the Blue Nose. That's the way it was, and to be part of that community, there's not so many people that have done that, you know. And it's an honor. And again, another story you have when you're nine years old, sitting in your client chair, talking to your grandkids. Yeah, I gotta say, I've never peeled an olive out of anybody's belly button. Uh, I've done more than that out of people's belly buttons. But no, I digress now. Yeah, I just I, don't like olives. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. How about a cherry? <laughs> we'll put a cherry in there. I, I think, too, the, the other part is, you know, there's things that the, the average person doesn't understand what the military, our community has. And that's one of the things for these podcasts is to put out to the community what it's like to be in the military. It's not all roses and green grasses and all that stuff. I'm telling you to tell you, after 26 years, some of the shit I saw and, and did was just heinous. You're like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I clean this up you know as, as dan did for the um the burn pit uh, yeah. bill coming through the stuff we burnt in saudi desert shield desert storm in those barrels was just not always stuff human waste it was other things that we had things we found on the ground put in there we got diesel on it and we're just like yay smoking our cigarettes you know full of soot and everything else plus you know that end of the day you're driving through we call it the onion patch you have all those oil fields that are on fire so it's one o'clock in the afternoon it's sunny and then all of a sudden you're like, I need MBGs because it's dark as hell because you're going through this plume. You know, and kudos to Dan pushing that stuff because there's guys out there that are dying today because of stuff like that we couldn't identify. Or there wasn't a means to say, hey, you do have that, you know, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, I think the, the onus really needs to be on the government, the VA, the, the military medical complex to be less of – it needs to be less like your civilian insurance, Right. Deny, 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 encounter accused. Yeah. Be like, oh, your leg hurts? Do you smoke? That's probably got to be it, right? You're a smoker. That's yeah. why your leg hurts. We're not yeah. covering it. Um, when I filed my VA benefits, I got uh, a percentage for tinnitus, <laughs> and I got zero non-service connected for my hearing. And couldn't tell you. We're working on appealing <laughs> that right now. I would, too. Uh, my boss and I, my boss is a prior service Marine. Funny thing, and since he doesn't watch this anymore, I can, I'm can i free to say this. Uh, do you remember when the McMap program came out? Yeah, so for, for those of you back in the day, uh, McMap is the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. And when it first came out, the Martial Arts Center for Excellence at Quantico, or the MACE, uh, included a particular Marine who is now my boss. And that particular Marine is the one that is on the cover of the manuals. He's the one with the, the chiseled square jaw, and he's holding his arms out, and yeah. the belts are on it. Yeah. and We'll leave that name alone. He, but yes. I, we, when we found out, we printed copies <laughs> of it and made him go sign it in front of his boss. Like, he was just in his office like, oh, dude, can you sign these for me? And so once Dan moved out, the, the home office that I have that we used to share, I mm-hmm. moved the stuff around. Our whole background for me is now when I do Zoom meetings – 
I have certs and pictures and stuff, and his signed picture is in there, and there are Velcro, so I can move it around like a Where's Waldo of my boss. Um, I lost my place where I was going for this for a We're second. We're talking about McMap and the person you know, yeah. Right, so this is McMap. Um, <coughs> uh, oh, the VA, that's what it was. He and I both went to the same audiologist for our VA appointments. This guy's got hearing aids in both ears. He was not a veteran, but he did a lot of industrial work. Mm-hmm. And he's got the heavy-duty, like, high-grade. His, his hearing is bad. He walked in, he's the nicest guy. And he's like, my hearing's terrible, so don't feel bad yelling at me. I was like, okay. And he just, like, cranks his hearing aids up. And he told us both. He's like, your hearing's worse than mine is. And I got these things. And then 0%. Because the VA takes what they say, and they make their own determinations. The caveat, caveat of that, as long as it's 0 and not nothing. There's a lot of people that are getting their right. VA you can at least back. get something. Yeah, with a zero percent as you get older, and that's the thing I'll tell a lot of guys. Uh, I, you know, I th- my body's been rebuilt. I, I'm considered a bionic guy. I mean, <laughs> my left knee's been replaced twice, both shoulders four times, both biceps and triceps. I've blown all, all of them. Uh, I have my thumbs been rebuilt, my elbows been rebuilt. I got a plate in my neck from a broken neck, so I, I have a few issues. You know, that I got going <laughs> Just on. Just one or two. You're fine. Yeah. So th- I looked at. It, I'm like, I got a zero for my my knee. It's fake. There's nothing in there. It's it's no kidding, metal and plastic. Oh oh no, it's because of the scarring on the front. Why do I have a zero? Well, if the scar gets bad, we can fix it because it is notated that you did put it in for the claim, and we do understand that you have a scar on your knee, but you gave me nothing for my left knee. Period. You just gave me zero for my scar. Because it's brand new. Yeah, it is. That's it's, what that's what a lady said to me. She goes, "Sir, it's been it's um, been replaced." I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "And it's good." Oh sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I always use the word sweetie when I'm really pissed off. I go sweetie, which is my wife tells me, Stu, you can't say that. You got to. So I try to digress. Young lady, training time out. That makes no <laughs> darn sense because eventually in 10, 15 years, this is going to have to get replaced again. So there's got to be something in there for the VA to pay for. Oh, we'll pay for it because you got zero on there. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's another podcast. We need to talk about that because I finally got my hands on the people I know in the VA and figured out why we have the issues we have. Yeah. So definitely another podcast. We'll have to do that. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's hard. I mean, especially guys that are out after a while. They Guys will wait because we're that proud. I'm a proud Marine. Dude, don't. Put your pants down. Bend over. Let them do your finger check and be done with the damn thing. You know, don't be so proud. Well, so the, the two sides of the thing is is one is it needs the onus needs to be on them yeah. to, to prove that I don't have the condition I'm claiming. If I have all the symptoms and whatever, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, how do you think this happened to me? You think I got out and got into heavy metal at the age of 30 and all of a sudden I'm going to concerts and stuff? Yeah. No, I already can't hear, so I don't bother going. It's a waste of money. Um, but, yeah, you're right. On the other side, there is that pride problem, which gets people not going. And, again, just like civilian insurance, I have, I have a feeling. I have no credible evidence except for word of mouth and uh, anecdotes that a lot of times the VA will reject a lot of initial claims. And then on second uh, review – They'll go, oh, yeah, that's absolutely terrible. Here's your 50, 60, 70%. Yeah. Uh, one of my guys, he went to the Marine Corps for a couple of years, then he went to the Army and retired out of the Army. Um, they gave him like 97.5%, whatever, however the math works out. And so they round up or down, right? Yep. They, for the purposes of pay, gave him the 100% pay. For the purposes of the paperwork on disability. On, yeah, they gave 90%. him 95, 90% or 95%, whichever one it was. And he was like, I don't want the money. I want the paper that says 100 because taxes and stuff, right? That's oh, yeah, valuable. Oh, yeah. And he's Kids going to school for free in yeah. some states, yeah. He's on a second and a half retirement. He wants to not pay taxes on his stuff that he bought with his retirement money. Perfectly yeah, acceptable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, he had to fight with them for a while to get that done. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, um, like I said, another it's a whole other podcast, how this VA system works and how it should be circumvented because there is a process and if you follow the wrong process, you have the wrong person within your line of process. Yeah. Next, because they're they're minimum paid, minimum wage paid people that are really there for the job. They're not there to look at the paperwork and see what's really wrong with you. They're just there to get. Well, if I deny this, we're good, and we push it aside. I get a credit for it. That's where some of the problems are. The other one is that the DC, the the call center for the VA in DC. Yeah. I know the guy that runs it, and his exact words are me, Stu. The problem we have with the call center is that a guy will call in. Not getting his information he wants in five minutes. Said asking for a supervisor, they go on and on. So they're on the phone for an hour. Ask for a supervisor if you don't have any resolve within five minutes. Let that supervisor get on and take ten minutes. That supervisor get off the phone. This way, everybody people are waiting for days upon days to get get. They'll be able to get through now. 
They'll be able to make the phone call, get what they need, and go go forward. But people don't do that. My dad's a good example, Vietnam veteran. He's got terminal four lung cancer. He's going to die here in the next, I don't know what he's going to, it's probably be eight years because all this stuff's shrinking. But he'll get on the phone with the White House uh, VA center and go, blah, blah, blah. He's on it for an hour. I'm like, dude, get off the phone. This guy's got to probably eat lunch or take a dump or something, but get off the goddamn <laughs> phone with this guy. I mean, what are you doing? And I talked to the dude I know. He said, yeah, that's the biggest problem we have. It's not the call itself of us resolving problems. It's the amount of calls we can't get to to help resolve those problems. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's, I'm going to have him actually on the podcast. i got to keep his name anonymous because they get death threats up there from people imagine. continuously. And I'm like, at the VA call center? He goes, dude, you have no idea Absolutely. how many people call and want to kill me. It's like, it's like the IRS, right? Yeah. The IRS doesn't write the tax code. They're not the reason you're paying taxes or whatever, <laughs> but... They're just the accountants taking the money, and people get real angry yeah, about that. Yeah, they do. Because that's the face. Yeah. Um, just so we're not spending too much time uh, just crapping on everything the VA does. No, they just um, forget things. I will give them credit for their online processes have been yeah. a lot better recently. Um, as it happens, this Monday uh, past, I filed for my VA health care because I've had the disability for a long time, but mm-hmm. I need the health care part done. Uh, Dan's going to yell at me when he hears this because he's been hounding me forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I filed Monday morning at zero nine thirty. I had a phone call eleven thirty the next day from a woman that was telling me that I was enrolled. My paperwork was on the way to my house with the handbook and the ID card uh, paperwork and all right. that stuff. And she goes, uh, "Our next appointment is here. You have to go in for a physical first, or not a physical, but like your first apart appointment that you do with yeah, your GP." Yeah, interview type yeah. thing. Yeah. And so they go, uh, "Here's your first three available appointments. What can I do for you?" And I was like, that's fantastic. I've never had turnaround that fast. Yeah, they've gotten a lot better over the past couple of years. And I use my dad because I've been fighting with the VA for my father uh, for about 13 years. And it's been, it's been, when I was even in the Marine Corps as a master of guns, I went to D.C. figuring my rank could help me out and go, that's my dad, Bob. Yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, dude, you need to walk, walk out. <laughs> I don't care what rank is on your shoulder. You don't outrank this four-star. So take your happy ass out of here. But, no, they've gotten a lot better as of late. And my father now is a primary caretaker that takes care of them. Um, so the, it's it's changed and it's doing very well as we progress. I think because of stuff like this, people are, are complaining and bitching and saying, hey, I'm not getting what I have. And then the guy dies three months later when he could have been treated and saved three months prior. So that's the 222, you know, a, a day that we have is going to be an issue. But the VA is trying to help that now. They're getting a little bit better with trying to help that and make that. We're never going to stop it. We might be able to control it. And that's what we need to probably do. Yeah, the, the more vocal the veteran community is. That's a key. That's really the big thing. It's like politicians. The yeah. more you vote, the better the better we get a chance to change stuff. And when it comes to the VA or really anything to do with the military, the, the more people that speak up and the more people that let them know that this is a problem that needs to get fixed and we're not just going to wait for you to figure out eventually, yeah. the, the more they kind of push in and, and get the job done. Yeah, because I'm kind of curious the way our stuff works as, as – the veterans for the military, how it works for the law enforcement, first responders, because I'm sure there's some issues they have as well. I mean, that's something I really like to dig into to include, you know, the nurses and teachers who get dirt for money. Like for North Carolina, where I live in Jacksonville, the average starting salary for a cop is twenty four thousand five hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? It's to me, it's sinful. We have Marines presently right now I talk to that are on welfare as Lance Corporals and Corporals. Absolutely. You know, and to get food stamps. How can we go send billions of dollars all over the place and pay off college loans? And I'm not making politics here, but take that money and why not give it to the military, law enforcement, teachers, and nurses? We have all these lotteries. So I wonder if they have the same medical problems as we have when it comes down to putting things in after they get out. I do know that as far as having health care while you're in, TRICARE is amazing. As long as you don't have to go to Navy Dental, right? Or (laughs) Navy Medical, whatever. Um, I, I can't say that there's plenty of people in Navy medical and dental that are great. They are plenty that are absolute trash. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is all about how much, how much effort you put into your job. Yeah. Um, but I know as a current, currently I'm a third party contractor for the government. So I don't, I work for a company that works for the government, um, at the moment. So there's, I get better medical than my boss does and he has to pay for his, in like big chunks throughout the year and then the government pays them back a percentage and not for him specifically but i've heard a lot of horror stories from because i we train all kinds of different oh, people. Yeah, we have yeah. marines and and agents and civilians and firefighters and cops 
And the story across the board tends to be not only do we not get paid enough, but our pay is sometimes not on time and our medical benefits are not great. Um, there's a joke. Uh, one of the comedians that I follow said, he goes, can you imagine there's there's cops and there's teachers out there and the cops are making maybe uh, 10 grand more a year than the teachers are and they're both getting paid abysmally, which is terrible. Can you imagine the threat of getting shot at every day and making less money than a cop? These teachers are having a hell of a time. These cops, you see it on, I mean, you see it on YouTube, you see it on TikTok, Instagram, where these people come up and they'll actually stand on the backside or public property of a of post office or a federal government building and say, hey, I'm not infr- you're infringing on my, my civil rights. Dude, why are you up here being an asshole? I mean, I, I get what you're trying to prove, but that's only showing the bad side of what's going on. Show the other portion that they, at the end, said, hey, you can go in and do this. So show that as well. Don't be one-dimensional on how you put things on social media. And I think that's where some of our issues are today. Social media that. definitely leans into the extremes on both ends. <clears throat> yeah. Um, on the other side of that, and I want to talk about recruitment for a second, right? We're having some recruitment quota problems. And one of the biggest problems for recruitment that's been there for a long time has been getting applicable or people who are um, able to join the military. Yes. There's a very small percentage. Yeah, it and it's either for fitness reasons or education reasons. Or health reasons now. Health reasons, yeah. different problems like that. And I think we can wrap or I tend to rap, maybe I'm wrong, uh, I often am, we can wrap a lot of the education and societal problems of the young and the recruitment problems of the military all in kind of the idea that we don't put as much of an emphasis on education as we used to. Right. Um, and the education that American students are getting is across the board pretty garbage yeah. compared to a lot of other countries. And while we should avoid, and again, personal opinion only, we should avoid kind of the the jingoism of saying uh, America is the greatest country on the earth and that's the only story there is and nothing else exists. Um, We should avoid that because it's patently untrue. But if we spent more time in school explaining to people, uh, this is where we come from, this is where we are, this is where we want to be, this is where everybody else is then it would give people more of a broader understanding of the realities of their situation. And then you wouldn't have 18-year-old kids as much thinking they're supposed to graduate, spend four years at adult summer camp, and then get a job making 100 grand a year, right? And it's, it's, it's not entirely on them. Like, yeah. they see people on social media, and this has always been the problem. This is a problem that we look at TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, uh, if you're older, then we say... You know, the grass is always greener on the other side because social media portrays just how well you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was on a boss's uh, Instagram a couple days ago because he called me and I didn't recognize the number or texted me to confirm. And I looked at the number and then he said, hey, hey, man, this is a boss. I was like, okay, cool. You know, somebody who actually knows to introduce. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then I went on his Instagram to get a, his corporate headshot because I put it on the phone. So when it rings, if he calls me or texts me, I'll see it from over there. I go, okay, that's a boss. I'm going yeah. that. And I see all of this, right? And good-looking guy. He's very successful. Oh, it's hot. Lots I, if of, I was a girl, man, I'd be married with me right now. I mean, you know. it is what it is. And, doors it is. But you look through there and you go, for a second you think, well, what struggle does that guy have? And you go, nobody's born in a vacuum. Imagine the amount of shit it took to get here. Oh, yeah. And I look, Dan's the same thing. Dan, Dan and I have been best friends since we were both 20, right? Uh, he was a little younger than me, but not by much, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, I look at where he is now, yeah. and I look at where he was. And you look at his Instagram, and you see all these cool things that he's doing. And he does, he does work his ass off to get there. Right. But I see all the times where his life was in the dumpster, and he had to fight his way back out of that. So maybe not spending as much time worrying about what everybody else looks like on social media. And maybe spend a little bit more time going, okay, what can I do to make things better instead of expecting things um, generally to be better based on just my presence, right? No, I, I agree. And I think the big part of that is that people see these 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that use their mind and understand technology and got on and they've made a living for themselves. But what else can they do? Once saying this all goes away in 10 years, because you got to have a today plan, a five-year plan, and a 15-year plan. And in between that, you got to figure out how you're going to do to get to that five year or fifteen. So yeah, this is good for the next two years. This is great. You're spending all this money, got big houses and cars. Well, it goes away. What do you got now? 
zero. How many lottery winners? They call it the curse oh, yeah. lottery, right? I mean, yeah. That's that's example <laughs> I love to use. How many lottery winners win a hundred million dollars from go from poverty to multimillionaire, mm-hmm. and then all the money's gone. They're back in poverty in five, ten years. Yeah. Right. We, as as a marine and also working in the industry that I work in, all of my fellow uh, coworkers are all marines or airmen or something or cops. I work yeah, with yeah. a lot of cops now, which is fun because I like to use all my good cop jokes. Um, the the conversation we have a lot is if you won the lottery like the they had the 1.3 billion dollar yeah, yeah, lottery yeah, yeah. one person two, won it two people oh was two okay uh, which is better for them because now they won't pay as much in taxes, taxes. they're under the cap so they can take the whole amount instead of the annuity and they don't have to get screwed on the back end um, imagine thinking in terms of it's a good thing I'm making less amounts of tens of millions of dollars so I don't have to lose more tens of millions of dollars yeah um, but the the overarching thing is we all think about this from this perspective and we go, you got to set your life up, right? You take the first amount of it and you set your life up so that nobody can take that. And then you start doing all the screwy thing everybody else does. Yeah. Um, but again, that comes from the position of, I used to be a Marine or I used to be a cop or I used to be a firefighter. Right. Um, I know what poverty's like. No, thank you. I'm yeah. used to structuring and organizing my life. That's what I tell you. I don't want to be a millionaire. I, I, I know quite a few people that are millionaires and they're assholes. Total throw down dicks but when i have them when they're you know in a super room with a bunch of other guys they're cool but out in public they're just they they have this thing they're entitled my personal opinion from the ones that i know so like well why not i said because i live a good life i have a great wife you know the happy happy life happy wife i've got a great life i have a great house i have a property i have four dogs i have family that loves me a boss loves me sometimes and i'll tell you a story <laughs> here in a minute about a boss and i back in the day but i mean i have a very good life do i make a lot of money no i make enough to pay my bills put a dip in my mouth and drink a beer. And I'm content with that because, you know, at the end of the day, my grandson is taking care of life. His college is paid for. He's got a 401k that will last him until he's 25. He's got another allotment that I have out. So when he's 30, in case he blows it all when he's 25, he has another backup <laughs> when he's 30. So I already planned all that out. I wish someone had told me that stuff when I was 16, 17, 18 years old to have that investment plan. You know, I'll be 16 in a couple months. Well, 60 is kind of like your for your annuities. And some of your other stocks, options, and your 401ks where they start opening. 65 hours is the true time to be able to do that. Put $10 away. $10 a week or $10 a paycheck into one of those growth funds. You know, now we're getting into financing. And make your, make your life good. Because this is all grander when you have all this money. But everybody in their mind, because that's what works. you got better, more friends than you thought you ever had. You're like, who the hell's Jed over here? You know, oh, I'm, I'm your toothless uncle from, you know, Louisiana and stuff. Nothing against Louisianians, not all toothless, okay? Just saying. You I have Louisiana? more than half my natural teeth, and I was born in Louisiana. I'm from New Jersey, so I'm a prick anyway how you look at it. That's what people <laughs> tell me. You're a New Jersey kid. so. But, I mean, I, I there's you, you have to have a plan these days. You just can't know willy-nilly it all through it out and think you're just going to succeed because you're good-looking and got a great body. Unless you're on fans only or foot fetish shit, that or shit that these guys have. I'll tell you one fun one that I learned about recently. Uh, it's called cagedladies.com. So write that down. there are women in women's prisons, Turkey and not prisons, sorry, jail, because it's difference. They're under a year sentence and they, they have iPads that they have that they're allowed to use during their whatever time. And, uh, I had a friend of mine who's kind of a, he's an outdoor cat. That's what we call him. I used to call Dan that too. So when I met this guy, <laughs> I was like, ah, I know your type. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, I used to get on there all the time and I would like find nonviolent offenders and like set up dates. Cause it'd be great. And I was like, that's an area that even there's no level of single I've ever been where I'd get on cageladies.com. No. But it's an option. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, and I want to wrap this back around, too, because at the beginning you had mentioned uh, the difficulty in introducing all of your yeah. skills, abilities, and talents, right? Your, was it knowledge, skills, and, and assessments? Yeah. The idea that we all have that built-in thing where we're a door kicker, no matter what you do, like um, – and again, my daughter's Navy boot camp graduation, they showed videos while everybody was waiting for the ceremony to start. And it's those ones the recruiting office always shows you where it's like the maintainers like fixing the aircraft, and then it takes off and shoots some things. And then the guys working on the Aegis uh, missile defense system, and it's like firing rockets out of the air. And it, the hard, heavy metal, metal soundtrack with the deep bass in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Huh? About halfway through the video, in between a uh, deck gunner and the Aegis uh, missile defense guy, there was uh, two culinary specialists. And just to make sure you didn't get it wrong, they're wearing shirts. It says culinary, culinary specialist. And they're like, 
flipping meat on a grill, right? And they're just like, yeah. And there's like a flame in the background because you're using the thing wrong. And I'm thinking, you know, it, it's half and half for me because one, glad they're included. They're yes, really, yes. You, I go to I go to chow more often than I fire missiles. Exactly, yeah. Uh, on the right. other hand, I'm like, why well, I got to do that to them, right? Yeah. Stick them right in the middle of the two cool things. Be like, hey, guys. Um, but we all have the thing where our job is the thing that we, we remember the time of kicking doors. Yeah. And when you got out, you were, you could have stayed in and done some kind of admin job. But you said, if I can't do my job as a door kicker, yeah. I'm good. I'm, I've done my time. I'm getting out. But at the same time, we've got to remember, if you're going to kick doors for a living or if you're going to make food for a living, don't forget that at some point, no matter how old you are or young you are or how in shape you are, or how many days you go to the gym or how much protein you eat, um, the day comes where the mission ends. Yes, and you've got to be set up for the day the mission ends. Yeah, I, I think for me, my philosophy, for me, Stu, is that when I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror. If I can't smile at myself in the mirror, well, I'm a joke anyway, so I always smile. Then I turn my happy ass out and I go back to bed. I tell the people that. If you can't look at yourself in the mirror and smile before you leave that house, turn around, go back to fucking bed, and think about it. I've had people go, well, I, oh, if I turn around, I'm going to be late for work. Dumbass. It's a, just a saying. It's nothing like a literal thing. Hey, you got to smile yourself in the mirror or go to bed. <laughs> I was literally yeah. thinking in my head, I, I work for the government, man. Come yeah. on. I'm like, Don't make you, this hard. You know, it, but the thing is, is that, good example, uh, two days ago, we were in food line. young lady comes up, and you could tell she has some issues. There was something not quite right. And my brother-in-law and I were picking some stuff up. There. We were smoking a brisket. <clears throat> and she was looking through her change, and I asked the lady, I said, how much is her bill? She said, $16. I gave her 20 and she went, yes, no, give her the change. Tell her to put her money away, give her the change. She goes, why are you doing this? I said, because I can. Why not? Why, I got to be an asshole and watch her struggle pulling, you know, 45 cents out of her wallet when I know she doesn't have it because I can see in her wallet she's got no other money. So why, why do I need to be that dude? I can afford to pay $20. That means I don't drink as much this week, but I can afford $20. And I said, that's what you have to do. Be able to go outside. If people could do that and just make one person smile, just do one nice deed to one person every day, we might have a little bit of a better place. We're all, it's still going to be bullshit nine times out of ten, my personal opinion, because um, people just don't listen. They always got to have a, a, a negative approach to everything that's said, whether it's good or bad, is always negative. I call them the Internet trollers because they can't come out and talk to you face-to-face. They got to talk to you through a damn box. No, buddy, come, come sit with me face-to-face at a table like this, and we'll do a podcast together. We'll figure out what your issues really are and get the root of it. But I digress. Well, thinking about the the social media point too, is one of the, one of the benefits of any kind of service, and e- even your five pillars. Think about nurses and doctors, and and or nurses and uh, was it nurses, teachers. teachers, law enforcement, first responders, military, yep. are all communities where someone at some point, for the most part, minus ten percent, uh, chose we instead of me. Yes. Right, and that's kind of a big thing on social media right now. Is kind of the the flagpole of what needs to make society better and what people are thinking about. Um, I know there's a lot of debate over the, um, what was it, the student debt relief. Yeah. Um, what about not not going to get into that because politics <laughs> is an area where I'm going to get yelled at one way or another. Yeah, um, but the, the we instead of me aspect and the mindset, you can there's different ways of putting it. But people who work in those community service areas – whether you consciously acknowledge it or not, that is the area that you are in. Is I'm working for us, not for me. Right. I get a paycheck, so yeah. I can live. I get to go by you, by us, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and generally, we tend to, to flock together. And yeah. Even in retirement, there's a lot of guys <laughs> that know they go to retirement communities, yeah. um, and they want to be around other people. My neighborhood, I didn't pick it for this reason, but it wasn't a reason I did. I would have left. Mm-hmm. Is the guy across from me is. Uh, he's a federal agent. Uh, one in, I'm not going to start pointing out any more than that because he's cool with me saying that. Okay. Everybody else in my neighborhood is former SF, uh, MARSOC, uh, Army, uh, Delta, whatever. All Three-letter the way, agency of some sort. All the way yeah. up and down the street. There's like yeah. two houses on my whole block that doesn't, that no prior service. And so super awesome to, to be able to deal with that and have no security issues because I know that's going to be a problem. <laughs> one of them, my, one of my neighbors called the cops on me one time. Because I got mad trying to fix something and I was being louder than I should have been. And I was like kind of half in the middle of the street. And he's like, hey, man, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm just dealing with a thing. 
He's like, let me get the Spasavania guys out here and, and make sure yep. we're all good. Take care of it. Didn't yeah. get mad at him. I was like, you know what? He's some random dude seeing the random dude in the middle of the night. Perfect. Yeah. But everything was cool. And he did he did a good thing. Um, so not to get too far off the topic, uh, there was one other thing I really wanted to talk about. Oh, so we're talking about recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with the we, not me concept, one of the things, uh, although we're having trouble with recruiting numbers these days, uh, for various reasons between the pay and the different opinions about where the military's going or what the military's purpose is, um, the sense of urgency since we're not at an active combat right. with anybody is kind of going away. Um, the National Defense Service Medal has been deauthorized Correct. starting defend December 31st. Um, for those of you who don't remember what that's called, it's the pizza stain on a new recruit's uniform because it's still yeah. It's it's the only it's a little yellow, red, and orange ribbon, <laughs> yes. and it's issued at the time of of uh, completion completion for basically serving during a time of national conflict, and so since there's no national conflict anymore, except I think you can still get it for like Somalia or not Somalia, uh, Syria. There's one yeah. spot in Syria you can still get it. Yeah, because there's I mean there's a couple places still out there. I know GWAT's the same thing. Global War yeah. and Terrorism is going to be deauthorized yeah, soon. soon yeah. You can only get it now for serving in Syria or in the general conflict of Syria. Um, so I'd imagine that's got to have some kind of influence as to, you know, why am I signing up to a military that's not doing anything? Which is kind of the wrong way of looking at it for me. I'm like, get into the ground floor, right? Yeah. Like the next thing that pops up. Every 10 years. It seems like every 8 to 10 years. In my experience for my 26-year career was every, seemed like 6 to 8 years. Yeah, for me, my first one was we had praying mantis in the Mediterranean. That was a go plat that we were supposed to take down, but our boat broke down. We sat in, in uh, Naples, Italy for forty five days drunk. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> and then you had Dead Sure Dead Storm in ninety ninety one, and then you had Bosnia in ninety four to ninety sixty seven ish time frame. Then you had a Kuwait piece in ninety eight, and then you started playing in Iraq and Afghanistan pieces two thousand one ish two thousand two. So my career was. Conflicts, folks. This isn't a war. We haven't been in war since World War One and World War Two. All right, just all get that. I get yelled at for that, so I'm making a claim here. Conflicts. <laughs> so you have that, but now there's another. There's other stuff coming up. You know, things like for Ukraine. What's the backlash going to be on if Russia can make a push, or if Russia doesn't make a push? How's China going to interact? There's going to be something happening here in the next five, six years. Mark my words. So. Yeah, I will say at least d- despite our recruiting issues, we're not having the ones that Russia's having. Yes, no, they are. Um, they, <laughs> what a segue. Our, ours was we have to kind of offer the younger generations more to get them to volunteer mm-hmm. because being an all-volunteer service is what kind of keeps us uh, sharp, Yeah, right? If you have all people that want to be there or at least wanted to be there and they signed the paperwork and changed their minds later, uh, at least that kind of benefited us in that way. The um, Russian government just signed a piece of paper that said they're going to conscript, draft, whatever, 330,000 people. And there was apparently a top secret rider attachment that said they could also draft another million to include, as it turns out, they arrested like 1,300 protesters, anti-war protesters. They're going to draft all of them as well. It could be good. It could be bad. Be, they, they could be. They're going to make their own little foreign legion because foreign legions are all a bunch of criminals anyway. I mean, that's why you well, get into foreign legion. You got Wagner Group and all yeah. of them. There, but man, they're getting their absolute asses handed to them. And I was thinking about this the other day. Oh, I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting out of the shower. Um, the you were talking about earlier with you don't really know what the day to day is until you're in. Yeah. One of the biggest problems for the Russian military has been their equipment failing. Because of lack of maintenance, yeah. they buy cheap shit. Um, I saw one report that said that the reason so many of their vehicles broke down or just couldn't drive any further is they were buying cheap Chinese knockoffs of American military tires, and they were popping and breaking and having problems, and they had no infrastructure <clears throat> to replace them. And when I heard that report, that was the same time I remember being in Iraq, and they have um, our Humvee tires have the run flats on the inside, yeah, right? And then they got, so it's the run flat, the rim, and the shell. That's the three parts of the tire. And there is a machine that exists that will put all of those three pieces together and then drop the tire and grab the pieces and put another tire together and keeps just automatically. That's not what the Marine Corps does. 
the Marine Corps gets a couple Lance Corporals and a ratchet strap, and they have you take this ratchet strap and wrap it around the run flat, squeeze it into a figure eight shape by just compressing it real yeah. hard, and then you shove it into the, the shell of the tire, and you kind of force the other side in with a big metal pry bar. And once you finally get it in there and it pops and it's inside, you take the strap off, and then you put the rim on it. And I was like, imagine how bad it's got to be for them with their yeah. cheap Chinese knockoffs of American military tires and their vehicles falling apart when they're not having to go through that process. Like, I already have to do this ridiculous amount of work. Like, yeah. what? how much worse? Because some of these guys didn't have sleeping bags. Some of these guys, yeah. it was like Valley Forge for them, only they were attacking someone else instead of defending themselves. Yeah. It's amazing because anything you need in the military, I know for the Marine Corps, like the first time I went to uh, Iraq, I, it was easy for me to control my company. I was a company ops chief from a vehicle, so I got in the turret, and I had a 240 Golf. Like, I haven't shot a 240 Golf maybe 30 years ago. So I'm sitting there loading up, getting everything set up, making sure my, my little cart's good. I'm sitting there, and this Lance Corbett comes in, and he's our weapons guy. I said, hey, Lance Corbett, can you go up here? He goes, yeah, top, hang on. Jumps up there. He says, what do you need? I said, how do you use this? How do you work on this thing? So he goes through disassembling, assembling, you know, how to clear jams and all that stuff. He says, Master Sergeant, you didn't know that? I said, dude, no. I mean, you, you got a rifle, a shotgun, explosives, pistols all day long. This thing, I, I'm clueless. I said, it wasn't for you giving me this 10-minute class. I said, and thank God he did because, you know, sometimes you need that thing. But I, I went to, a, as a master, I went to a Lance Corporal because they are experienced. The younger guys, the PFC Lance Corporal Corporals, have all the experience now. I had all experience then, fifteen years ago. You know, so I just forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> so how you, so that's the thing. When you talk to people doing that, that you know, more the we. What do you, how do you say it? We not me. Yeah, we not me. Yeah. So <clears throat> this Lance Corporal shit in his pants on my master in the United States Marine Corps going. Oh. But you know, because of that kid, it kept me alive. You know, and it's just weird how we look at certain things as we get older, especially in the military. I've seen it change from where. I got my ass handed to me in boot camp. I mean, I was a big gear locker recruit with this other guy named Gannerton because I was a 250-pound dude that was six foot. You know, I ended up coming out 175 pounds. But we were the big gear locker crew. You screwed up, you come and saw me and Gannerton. We, we, we link you up, hook you up real quick. And I had two drill instructors that were reconnaissance Marines. So before I got out of boot camp, they said, hey, Stuber, come here. I'm like, well, he says, what's your MOS? I said, I have no idea. I went open contract, I think. I said, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So I'll tell you a quick story. We'll make it fast. So I, you know, went to college, got in the workforce, worked in Lake City for a couple of years. I came home one day. I was drunk. It was a Sunday, and I'm sitting on the couch. My father's a Vietnam veteran. Um, he makes no bones about that. He will smoke your ass in ten seconds, and I think twice about it. <clears throat> I'm sitting on the couch. And I see a Marine recruiter move, uh, film come on marketing. I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be a Marine. And my dad's exact words says, "They will beat your ass and throw you out within the first two weeks." Monday morning, the next day, still hungover, saw the Marine recruiter. I took an ASVAP test. Wednesday, I went to MEPS. They gave my ASVAP scores. Friday, I was in boot camp. I told my father Thursday night that, hey, I'm getting on the bus tomorrow morning at 04 to go to Marine Corps boot camp. And he thinks, want some uh, water, Jay? Thank you. Uh, he, so when I retired, I said, I don't know who won that bet, but the bet was that I would never make it through boot camp. So 26 years later, here I am, and I got a full pension. You know, I get sitting. You know, I get paid pretty well to get out of bed as a master guns. You know, I'm broke as shit. But my, ask my wife; she'll tell you that. But the thing is that some of the things you do in life, you do for spite, and it turned out to be the best thing you ever did in life. And for <laughs> me, it was the best. I would never change it again. I mean, did I deploy a lot? Yes. Am I, am I fortunate to have one wife? Yes, because my wife put up with shit. I have one kid because you got to be home to have kids. So if she had any more, I'd be like, "Where's Jethro at?" Because that's a big, our big joke. Besides 13 shoes a day, I'm like, that's Jethro. You better get his ass out of my house before I come home. You can ask a boss, too. But again, too, this, the experience you have in life, you know, it, it goes full circle. Just because this all looks great and shiny right now, that's a shiny object. It, it gets dull after a while. It really does. Until you can get to a place where you can make it shiny again. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it never happens. You know, that's the issues we have with the suicide we have. You can look at somebody. I can look at your face right now, and you look like you're on an even plane. You're, you're in a good Yourself, you're you're good. You could go outside and you end up putting a bullet in your head. How do you how do we how do we fix that? How do we get that level where you can reach out and talk to somebody? Hey, man, I got an issue. I'll be the first one to admit it. I didn't do it. And when somebody jocked a knot in my ass, I realized that 
If I got a problem, I'll go cry. I'll go talk to people. We have a, a meeting. Well, not the guy digress a little bit. A meet, we, we meet first Saturday of every month at Denny's in Sneeze Ferry. So you get a bunch of old recon guys come there. And it's good. It's, it's kind of a, a pulse. Where's everybody at? Because most of these guys that are in there, excuse me, were in the same position I was. They can look in your eyes and understand your pain threshold. Where, how much pain you have by looking at your pupils. Right here in this state, in, in Virginia. So, I mean, if they can do that, how can we, we figure to use that same medical technology or piece to look in your eyes to see if you're thinking about committing suicide or if you're in a bad place? And a lot of that goes back to, uh, again, circling back around, is I can, if the government wants to offer me a contract, I can help them out with those recruiting numbers. It's it's marketing, mm-hmm. right? It's seeing the previous generations and seeing where the failure points were and yeah. not paying enough attention to that sort of thing, not looking at your Marines. Like, one of the reasons uh, they started putting name tapes back on cam, cam, um, our, our uniforms, our uniforms. Yeah. I was trying to think about the old utilities, fatigues, yeah. fatigues utilities, BDUs, <laughs> whichever one you used to call it. Um, uh, my daughter calls them endos, the ones that they wear, the green ones. Oh, yeah, the new ones I have. And yeah. she kept saying that word. And I was like, I don't know what that is. She goes, my my uniform that has camouflage. Fatigues. Uh, I was like, oh, you mean your, your, your uh, camis? And she goes... Okay. Camouflage <laughs> utility uniform. Um, there was another one she used to use when she was talking about when they recycle kids. We just call it getting recycled, right? Yeah, like get if recycled. you have something broke or you fail something, yeah. uh, they call it as mode. Uh, it's administratively modified, right? Because they're modifying your contract to include the extra time. But she, the way she was saying it, again, word vomit from not being allowed to talk for a second. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I had to ask somebody else because I want to ask her directly. And I was like, what does this mean? She goes, as mode. It means, or I said, she keeps using an acronym that sounds like they were just giving out asthma to everybody. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you mean asthma. It means this. I was like, oh, <clears throat> fair enough. Um, but including, this is a thing I do all the time. You and me both. If, if we're trying to fix the, the, the problem with both recruiting and taking care of our people, um, and it's not, a, nothing is a one bullet uh, fix. No. But bringing back that community uh, sense before they even get in building it while they're in and then building people to understand it's not, Oh, you're, you're not reenlisting. Cool. There's the door. Don't let the, don't let the weight of your terrible decisions hit you on the way out. Yeah. Right. And they, the military is trying to do a better job and I see that, but I, I did steps and taps. Right. And my steps and taps class was a lot of how to make a resume. Yeah. And so one kid goes, I'm infantry. How do I write this? And he goes, do you want to be a janitor or a cop? It's a shame they do that. And I mean, it really is. And that was, a longer ago period than I care to want to admit, <laughs> but in fairness, maybe the attitude changed. I don't know, but that's not the attitude to have. The attitude to have should be, uh, oh, well, you were infantry, so you had X number of millions of dollars worth of equipment assigned to you, and you were supervising X number of people. That's the getting out part, but the once you're out part, and we did talk about yeah. this earlier, is you know maintaining relationships with those people. Uh, not everybody, right? Yeah. Trenton's a dick, and you don't want to hang out with him. Cool, gotcha. Yeah. But the more we kind of tend to uh, not isolate as a community, don't be like just the five Marines that hang out and exclude everyone and drink too much, but be the five Marines that hang out every so often and check in on each other. And then each one of you has a couple guys you check in on, your your corpsman buddy yeah. or your Air Force cousin or whoever. And then as civilians, we should be doing the same thing, right? Especially as prior service. And now we're civilians. We should be teaching the regular civilians how to do the same thing because, you know, they, they don't want to admit it, but they take a lot of our cues and they go, what? One thing my daughter said when, when she graduated, we have, she got eight hours of Liberty. When you graduated boot camp, did they give you like the 10 days of uh, recruit leave or did you go straight to your next school? No, I had to check in the camp guy or go to SOI. So okay. I, they took me from South Carolina. Well, it's here in North Carolina. Went down. Once I checked in, I got 10 days of leave. Oh, okay. Because your parents were allowed to come with you. Like us grunts, they took us down there to check in. And our parents, I left my mom and dad and went back to Ocean City, New Jersey for 10 days. Yeah, for uh, for us, when I graduated in 2004, five, something? Yeah. 2004, yeah. I think. Yeah, there you go. They We had all our paperwork done. We had family day. We had uh, graduation day. When graduation day happened, they were like, Anis Dominus, go forth and do great <laughs> things. That was it. You left. 
Yeah. All your shit was packed by your barracks door, and so your parents would drive you over to your barracks. Uh, you go like wave at your drill instructor now that you were supposed to be a person again. Yeah, you say, "Got here, turd." Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to look at you. You smell. Yeah. And then you ten days. Yeah. They got four hours, give or take, if you were stationed in the same place. Like if you were just going to grab your shit and go to the next barracks over. Right. You got like four hours of liberty, and then you had to report back. Um, she was going out of state, and if you're going out of state, you get eight hours of liberty, give or take, and then you have to report back. And so, right? Like, I had to drop her back yeah. off. They didn't even let me drive her back on base. I had to drop her off at the gate, and she had to walk back. I was oh, like, that's hardcore. Be like, oh, shit. Here, go that's see Navy? Go, yeah. Oh, I was, they were like, go see that, those people that love and care about you, then get your ass back. Yeah. Right. Wow. And I was like, kudos. Um, but one thing she had mentioned is um, she had her, one of her friends was there from high school, and her friend was trying very hard to like kind of communicate what's been happening to her for that 13 weeks. Right. And so they're they're kind of talking at each other about desperate experiences. And she had talked to me at some point after, and she's like, it's not that I don't care. It's that it's kind of completely different levels of how important shit is. And she goes, I've readjusted what I think is a priority. And so with that, the same thing with the civilian population or the, the non-veteran population. There we be, go. We haven't can, used that. We'll coin be, that. There you go. Yeah. So uh, we'll... If they could receive a training of some sort that would teach them things like that, say in high school, then when they were moving on, even if they didn't go in the military, even if they went to yeah. college, just lived their lives, having an understanding of prioritization and um, you know looking out for each other as a group in more than just the you go girl on the internet sort of yeah. way, like that would probably dramatically improve a lot of the situation across the board for Americans, like. Again, it's, it's. I agree, and I think the the caveat to that is that the reason we don't have the comp like my day, um, I hate to use that word my day because I'm not that old. <laughs> but when I was in first got in reconnaissance, second recon battalion, my first six months there, I had a shaved head and my wore my sweats inside and out. You weren't you're nobody. You're you're more you're worse than a turd. You're that turd that's underneath the turd underneath the totem pole that's got moss. That's what you were when you got to when I got the second recon battalion. But over the six months, you learned. How clo- you got real close to your team, got real close to your platoon and to the company that you were in. But after that, you know, when they allow you to <laughs> wear your sweats the right way and you wear surfing sand with polished boots, you understood there the camaraderie is because we didn't have the internet. You know, we lived in an open squad base. I lived down on Onzo Beach for five years in open squad base. Oh, and no, people, you lived on a beach? That yes, was so hard. I know it was. It's just like, you know, <laughs> it, people don't understand. I'm like, the best part about it, as I got up every morning, we ran the dunes, and then we go for a swim. So we do a run, swim, run. Like, what? You live in an open squad bay? Well, yeah. I mean, we sit in the shitters. I could sit. You sit in one. I'm sitting across from me. We're reading a book. Hey, what's going on? It's, AJ, it's like, Stu, what's happening? Today, God forbid. God forbid you sit in an open shitter area or an open shower area because you're not in jail, you know, if you're in this type of life. I said, but that's what made us who we are today, the camaraderie we have. When we left the beach and had to go to the main side, we still – Sat in our quad, our whole platoon, our whole team. We we had partied together. We when we deployed, our wives hung out together. So that piece was always there. As I got older in the Marine Corps, because of the way the social media started going around two thousand four five ish time frame in Okinawa, the camaraderie started going like this, because guys were keeping in touch with each other. They'd go home because they were tired of being at work and using social media or being on the computer of some sort. Today we we push like a second. I go to second recon battalion once in a while. Kevin Dale, who's a office chief over there, does a great job trying to get them together. Come to our little thing that we do once a month because that's what makes what, who we are. I can drive anywhere in the United States, like I said earlier. I can make a phone call right now, have some ten dudes that no one knows at my door that I've served with that are in this area right now. That's just how it is. So we're trying to trying to work on that. I want to say fix it, but I'm trying to work on it because. If you were in the military, law enforcement, you know what that group, those groups are. You you understand that. But the people outside, the non-veterans outside of that, have no idea what it's like to be 2 o'clock in the morning and a buddy calls you or a female calls you, a friend says, hey, I got this. Will I get in your car and you go? Or I call, hey, I'm in such and such place and I need X amount of money. Okay, you got cash out. Send them cash. And not ask, just do it. Because that's just the way we brought up. So you think we can fix a lot of the camaraderie problem? Not fix. We can control it. Begin to improve yes, the camaraderie issue. Yeah. And we can do that first and foremost by pooping together. 
Yes, and uh, drink any gather and a few <laughs> other things. Uh, okay, we'll put sh- we'll put showers because people got to do X. Now, my, I think that we'll take out my thought, but put in if we talked more face to face, we sat down and had a breakfast. We don't have to eat; we can just sit down someplace and eat, or link up someplace once a month that we all can just get together instead of being on social media or getting on TikTok. Facebook's great, so is FaceTime, but it's not the real. I I can't reach out and do this through FaceTime or Facebook. In order to do that, you need to have that man. We call it man loving. I call it man loving. <laughs> a boss don't like my man loving. He does now, but he didn't there for a while. I, I it was a pleasure sitting in and talking with you. I feel so much better now. Hopefully, Dan will give me the check and say you're accepted for a couple more months or so, and we do this more. But I, I would love to uh, sit down with you again. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a little weird not having someone. That you've s- known quite a while. Stab yeah. me under the table every <laughs> once in a while. He loves throwing shit out there, but. No, it was it was good. I I don't know you yet well enough, but once I do, as a boss, I will definitely do that. Yeah, we'll get there. The big thing too for the, the community for the Smoke Pit is that we have a special guest that'll be with us here in a couple of weeks. Is Nick Cumulados. I don't know if any of you know him. Some of you probably do. Uh, we'll have him on for the next one, and we look forward to send us some comments. Who do you like us to see? Who will talk about our topics to give us an idea so we're not going down the wrong alleyway? Could AJ and I sit here and talk shit all day long? Yes, we could. Can we get yelled at for some of the shit we talk? Yes, we can. But we and frequently do. do. <laughs> frequently do. But with that said, I'm Stu, the Grey Beer Veteran, sitting here with uh, my co-host, AJ. We thank you for listening to us, and have a great day. And remember, be nice to somebody and smile. <laughs> do our best. Yes, exactly.